what most women are looking for in particular is like a really meaningful connection and an emotionally positive experience, especially on that first date, because that's what's going to get you to the second, third and fourth. Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. This podcast explores all things as they relate to dating and romantic relationships. Why we ignore or choose to ignore or miss the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, lying, narcissistic behavior, deception, and so much more. Join me each week as we continue my journey into the modern dating world with my weekend rants, anonymous guest dating stories, and experts who share their wisdom so I can help you navigate the dating terrain. If you are new to the show or have been with me from the beginning, hold on tight to the anonymous Andrew Experience. Greetings, Anonymous Andrew, with you once again. And today, we have an interview with Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson is a men's dating coach. But ladies, listen up. There's a lot to learn. I learned a lot here today. And he has a new book coming out. Uh, It'll be out next week. We'll talk about that during the episode and afterwards. So up next, my interview with Brad Johnson. Johnson. Talk to you on the other side. Ciao. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Anonymous Andrew Podcast. And today I have with me Brad Johnson. And Brad Johnson is a two times best selling author. He is a dating coach that helps men who struggle with dating and finding their authentic partner. I think I got that right. Good afternoon, Brad, and welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Andrew, for the intro, and it's great to be here on your show. So, Brad, uh, I don't even really know where to begin because you really (laughs) have quite a a repertoire here of, of, uh, I guess let's start with maybe the book you wrote. Uh, It's called Ignite Your Beacon, you want to talk a little bit about that or you want to talk about your, your dating coaching? Wherever sure, I can. Start. Yeah, absolutely. I can share a bit about my, my background as an author, some of the works that are already under my belt, so to speak. So sure. um, it's funny because Ignite Your Beacon, I think, is almost a decade old at this point. And oh, really? uh, okay. I, I wrote that when I was wrote and published that when I was pretty young. If I remember correctly, I think it was 2004. See, I'm trying to remember. I think it was 2014, maybe 2015, somewhere around there. But it's it's wild how fast time flies. I can't even remember the publication date at yeah. this point. But um, it was it might have even been earlier than that. But um, yeah, that was a. I, I've always been big on like self development, self improvement. So I was reading like authors like Dale Carnegie, Tony Robbins, Napoleon Hill at a pretty young age. I discovered those at like college age, and so that really just kind of set me down a path of like finding more resources like that. And, uh, I just wanted to write my own book, um, about that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, I'm blessed to say that 
that book was received pretty well by um, the small audience I had at the time, most most of which was family and friends. And yeah, it was just a really cool project to to get out there into the open. And now I see that you're working. I, maybe it's completed by now, but you have a new book coming out in January. That uh, is your dating life solved. That is correct. Yeah, uh, your dating life solved the the authentic man's ultimate guide to lasting love. So that will be live everywhere. Books are sold online uh, January twenty second, twenty twenty four. So coming up pretty quickly here, but. Yeah, the book is done. Just kind of finishing up some other marketing materials and everything that goes along with the release. But yeah, starting to promote it now on podcasts and social media and just getting the word out. Yeah, great. Which is kind of why you're here today. One of the reasons. (laughs) Yep. And and just you just told me right before we recorded that you just started a podcast. So, uh, boy, you got your fingers dipped into everything there. Um, So good for you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about and you're also a dating coach. Tell us a little bit about how, I guess, let's hear your story, how you got into this. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a great question, and I will try to give a, a concise yet detailed answer to that. So I, I've i been an introverted guy my whole life. I was not someone that was known for being a particularly social or outgoing person. That's been a pretty characteristic, that's been a pretty accurate characteristic of me since like junior high. Right. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've gone through a lot of the same dating life struggles that many other introverted guys have. Um, it's not to say that only introverted guys struggle with dating. There's, there's different things that more extroverted people struggle with as well. But I just noticed like over the years, um, I'm, I'm also someone who has like a very specific set of values. Right. And so I think being someone who's introverted and having, a very like clear cut set of values for myself that have been pretty consistent over time that can make it difficult to kind of make yourself known to women who you'd be interested in talking with and vice versa. Right. And so, yeah, I'm in my thirties now. And so it's crazy to believe how quickly the last 10 or so years have gone, but I really noticed that there's, there's a lot of advantages that introverts have in the dating market, which hopefully we'll touch on later in the episode today. But I, I've really just kind of launched this venture of zero nonsense dating and the accompanying book in January out of realizing that you can, you can have success in the dating world. You can find that lifelong partner um, or that, you know, eventual spouse. If you, if you have a basically approach where like, you're not, you're not letting go of your values. You're, you're understanding that you don't have to have a lot of like pickup artistry there's there's all these things that are thrown around in the right. in the dating world right of like oh you have to you have to be rich you have to be tall you have to be good looking you have to be this and that right you just hear it all day especially in the men's dating world especially yeah. on social media yeah exactly and so i've i've really just taught myself a lot of like principles through trial and error and i've also just kind of syn- synthesized a lot of information that i've read about and really just real life practice. I've kind of brought it all together under one roof in this book. And I'm really excited to see, you know, what people learn from it. Okay. Uh, we, you touched upon what well, you, you mentioned about introvert and I'd like to know a little bit more about that introvert. Um, you, you wrote in your, in your bio 
an introvert advantage to online dating. Can you mm -hmm. talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of cool things we can discuss more here. The first thing I think about when being more introverted is, um, I guess backing up for a second, when a lot of people kind of think publicly about what it's like to be an introvert, it's often associated with being shy or sometimes a lack of confidence. And sometimes those things are true. But what I've found is many people who are more introverted, they're not necessarily lacking confidence or just they're not, it's not like they don't know how to carry themselves in close familial and friendships, uh, familiar relationships and friendships. It's more that there's kind of a, there's just kind of like a more quiet presence. And so it can be harder to feel seen and noticed for the person that you naturally are. And so the first thing I think of when we're talking about introverts having advantages in the dating market is introverts tend to notice details better than people who are extroverted. There's, there's kind of like a, a finer approach to just observing life, right? It's like you, you tend to notice, um, like, Oh, this, this restaurant has like these types of qualities that other places don't. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take my next date out here. Cause I think she'll really enjoy the ambiance, right? Rather than just, Oh, I'm just going to go to the bar that I've always known or the same restaurant or whatever. Um, so there's, there's a level of just granularity and appreciating life that I think a lot of introverts have in common. Another thing that I would say probably every introverted person I've met is pretty good at is listening. And it's very easy to, especially for men, it's very easy to want to like impress your date and kind of show her like, this is what my life is like. Like, look at all the accolades, all the accomplishments, all the external things that I've accomplished. But most people and most women aren't really concerned about that. It's certainly nice to have, but what most women are looking for in particular is like a really meaningful connection and an emotionally positive experience, especially on that first date, because that's what's going to get you to the second, third and fourth. And introverts are just naturally good listeners. So um, most most people who would think of themselves as introverts actually have a conversational leg up because they're going to really enjoy that conversation. They're going to remember details from it and it's going to make it easier to uh, pursue like other dates. Right. And, and women are, are very, women are very skilled at like nonverbal communication. They'll, they'll be able to tell if you're listening. It's one thing to look yeah. like you're listening. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's another thing to actually be listening. And so, um, plus that this, this never ceases to amaze me, but I forget what uh, study I saw this from, but there's probably been more than one study that's uh, asked people like, you know, do you think you're a good listener? Uh, most people rate themselves as good listeners. That's not necessarily surprising, but I think it's about, it's it's probably like 20 to 25% of people who actually embody the characteristics of being a really good listener. So yeah, those are those are a couple that are top, top of mind for me. You know, as you were <clears throat> describing that, I had a conversation this morning. Uh, I matched with somebody on one of the dating apps and she said good morning to me and I was literally just rolled out of bed and I was just nursing my first cup of coffee mm -hmm. and I decided to chat with her and uh, we had said hello something we just matched two days ago and she said to me something about have you lived where you she knew she lives the next town over so she said to me have you lived on there all your life 
And I, I, I thought a simple answer would have been no, but I went into this, all of a sudden I found myself going into this long story about, well, I've been here for five years, but I was over there for 20 years, and and then I lived in the Southwest when I was, you know, and, and it almost turned out to be a paragraph long, and I said, wow, what am I doing? She just asked me one simple question. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, uh, I'm sorry. Enough about me. Uh, tell me about you. Have you know? And I, I so I was self-aware that I, I, I kind of, uh, what's the word? I hijacked the question and and rolled with it, but I went too too far with it. So I completely turned it around and asked her a lot about her, and, and because I think, plus I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So. Um, you have something, and you mentioned it earlier, and it's intriguing me. Zero nonsense dating. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Sounds good. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really dived into uh, this question a whole lot yet on podcast episodes, so this will be a cool one. So, yeah, I think like we were talking about before, there's there's a very common acronym, especially in the men's dating space, which is PUA stands for pickup artistry or pickup artist. And so I also like years ago, I, I didn't really know that that was an acronym. I just kind of knew there's like, it, at least in my mind, it seemed like there's kind of two categories of kind of dating advice, if you will. There's, there's like the stuff that leans more sleazy and sleazy. And it's like, here's how to basically get as many women as you want as quickly as you want. And then there's like the whole other side, which I would loosely categorize as like the Matthew Hussey side, one of the most successful dating coaches and speakers in the world. And it's very much like, here's the real stuff that you need to pay attention to that will determine not just your ability to attract a great woman if you're a guy, but also like um, sustaining this relationship, right? And building upon it. Because I think he's gone on to do a lot of other like types of seminars and just share a lot of other advice and information. Right. So that's kind of where those two like categories of advice in my mind, that's, that's where the idea of like zero nonsense dating came out of. Um, Cause I wanted to, first of all, I wanted to share what I had learned to continue to like validate it from just like a content creation and marketing perspective. But I also wanted to take a stand against some of this, stuff that's very um, just surface level. And yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of coaches out there who have found like, these are the things you can say to, you know, attract women on autopilot effectively. But it's like, that's not what I want. I know that's not what a lot of people want. And even more importantly, it's not what a lot of women want. So it's like positioning men for success is about helping them understand here's what, here's what like, not just the majority of women want, but here's what your ideal woman is most likely to want as well. Yeah. And, and I, I happen to have Matthew Hussey on my playlist on my podcast and I did listen to him a while ago and, uh, you know, he's like you said, he does a lot of work in this field and, and, but I, I started to not like some of the things that I heard. And I, I think to your point, he does a lot of PUA. So, um, he basically teaches men how to pick up women. That's his, yeah, he's yeah. he's definitely done some of that. I I think there's there's an undeniable characteristic in a lot of dating advice where it's like here's how to attract volume, but but it's definitely true that he has shifted more 
into like here's what really matters in relationships because i've okay good yeah I've, I've watched yeah i don't know which um like i don't know what point in his own career he he kind of shifted into that but that's good. definitely like his his main thing yeah good maybe i'll have to go back and listen to him okay mm -hmm. um all right i boy i have a couple questions here uh, I, I don't even know where to begin so uh I told you a little bit about, and, and the audience knows a little bit about my relationship, my past relationship, with, which was abusive and not abusive in the, you know, the violent way or, or but it was gaslighting and narcissism. But in the end, it was abuse. Uh, she took advantage of, of me. Uh, in your, again, in your bio, you had talked about that you have dealt with abuse. Can you talk a little bit about how you transitioned out of that and, and, how that got you to where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a deeper topic, but happy to share more about this. So yeah, in, in our pre-show talk, we were, you were sharing some of the things you just mentioned at a, at a deeper level. And, um, yeah, I, I've been through, I, I've been through a situation just a few years ago, actually, that was, it had some similarities to the, the story that you had shared with me, but essentially, I think what I've one of the biggest things I've learned of going through abuse and realizing what it was having labels for it and then being a survivor of it is oftentimes there are there's something missing from our childhood or just our our upbringing from our family of origin where there was an unmet need right and that can make that can make people uh perpetrators victims sometimes both which is probably the the worst possible situation where you're you're victimized first and then because you haven't healed it you end up becoming a perpetrator of abuse but um yeah the biggest thing i learned first is like there's often a, a place in our family of origin that we had an unmet unmet need and that is i would say partly true of me but it's also something that can affect people who are on like the neurodivergent spectrum as well. Um, I recently learned that I'm more than likely autistic and people who are autistic tend to have a really easy time trusting other people, even people who neurotypicals would look at and see like, there's something wrong here. I, I can't quite label it. I don't really know how to describe it, but I just, my gut is telling me this person is not well. Um, autistic people, we sometimes that just flies right over our head, right? And we just don't even see it. And so there's kind of a perfect storm, if you will, of different factors in my own life that that created a situation where, um, yeah, I was I was previously married before I met my current fiance, and it's something that I've um, only documented to a certain degree. There was a podcast episode I did with a few friends, like basically two years ago, where that was probably the first time that I talked about it publicly in a significant way. I you know, I'm, I won't use this person's name. I'm not here to denigrate them or, or to, um, you know, uh, def defame their, their situation or their name or anything like that. I've moved on and all that good stuff, but the abuse was real. It, it was a really messy situation. I, I still think about like, how did all this happen? You know, it's, it's something, it, it's a scar that will be there for life. Right. But, yep. um, I know that was kind of, I'm just speaking completely unedited, like raw thoughts, but that's kind of a little bit about my story. Yeah. 
Yeah, Brett, you're you're telling my story because so, wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, first of all, let's just take a couple steps back. Uh, there's the term "hurt people, hurt people," right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think we're talking a little bit about that. Somebody who's been hurt in their childhood, with a trauma, or from parents, or from ex relationships, or or marriages, they can be, like you said, they can become the perpetrator, and mm -hmm. and. And while I, I don't think that's a category that I'll fall into, but I this last relationship, I was deeply hurt. And I, I just would like to avoid carrying that forward. I'm not so concerned about that. What I'm concerned about is I was so hurt, damaged, and, and my trust factors are, may carry me into the next relationship where I'll start questioning everything. Mm. Uh, because I was lied to constantly. I was deceived. I was gaslit. And that wasn't the first relationship that happened. And I seem to be, uh, I, I fall into a category where I allow women to walk all over me because I don't know how to establish boundaries. So how, how, how do we move forward from this type of abusive relationship that you were in and I was in well, you're you're engaged, so mm -hmm. you must have figured it out. I, I, I'm 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 terrified of the next relationship. Right. Yeah. No, I don't blame you at all, Andrew. I I appreciate your transparency as well. I know it can be a very difficult. It's a total. It's a hundred percent personal choice. Whatever you decide to share or not share, and I know how how personal this stuff is and can be. So, totally understand where you're coming from. I would say, yeah, I mean, the, the first, so a couple of things that I would share here. One of the biggest things that was a huge relief for me is nobody's perfect. And even if I did everything right, like even if I was actually perfect, things probably still would have gone the way that they did. An abuser is going to be an abuser and the victim is going to be the victim. I I don't love, te technically speaking, yes, we were we were both victims of abuse, but I know that a lot of people in the in this community, the the survivor community, use that specific word of survivor, and I think that is one of the best ways to look at it. Is mm -hmm. if we if someone made it out of an abusive relationship, you are a survivor. You know, like the the trauma was real, the abuse happened. It has to be taken account for. Like you you have to acknowledge that that had an impact on your life, but the healing is totally possible and that new life is, is waiting for anyone who moves beyond that and grows beyond it. But another very like tactical thing that helped me a lot is I heard from several counselors and I, I saw in, you know, some literature that the length of the abuse is typically corresponding to the length of the healing process as well. Yeah. And so I, th I, I don't know that that's an, ex I don't think that's an exact science. I don't think we could say, you know, down to the hour, down to the day or anything like that. But I can honestly say that that was pretty true for me. This, this event that I'm speaking of is now, you know, somewhere around two years, a, a year and a half to two years in my rear view mirror. And so, um, if actually it's, I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it's like two to two to two and a half years, but anyways, um, it's been a while and, you know, life, life is better than it's ever been. I th I think my fiance also, like, I won't share her story because 
that's not right for me to no, to share, you know, publicly. But um, she also went through abuse of a very similar nature, and so I, I think that's the other big thing that's given me a lot of hope. Is in addition to just my personal values and beliefs, a lot of people who have survived the abusive situations have found other survivors, and so that's created a really a really special bond between her and I that's made it so much more achievable as far as like building our own relationship and understanding, okay, it's, it's safe to trust this person. They can trust me, but yeah, you, you brought up some good stuff about like, yeah, once you've been abused, like how do you basically, how can you allow your, your mind to return to its former state in some ways, right? Like (laughs) all the, the abuse, the gaslighting, nothing being trustworthy, it totally makes sense. And that is probably the hardest part, not going to lie. I think it's something that you have to, you have to re-embrace like the aspects of your life that you know are like tried and true. So that's, that can be different for everybody. Maybe it's like, Hey, I still have a great group of friends and um, my friends have never let me down or my health is in really good shape. And I love I love running or I love hitting the gym. So I'm every time I feel down, you know, it's time for a new workout session, just simple things like that. Um, it's, it's really, I don't want to paint any sort of picture at all that it's an easy or simple thing. Cause it's not. Um, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm sharing this from like, <laughs> you know, many multiple years past the event, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just about taking that next step and reminding yourself like, yeah, life is still worth it. Yeah. And and of course what you're referring to, I think is time will heal the wounds. uh, And it's how much you want to heal and, or, and, and and this is where you were talking about victims and in the society, then we call them survivors. I, when you, when I came out of the relationship, it, it was a victim mentality. Mm-hmm. because I felt victimized. I was lied to. I was cheated on. I deceived, uh, yada, yada, yada. And over three to six to what, eight months or so and doing this podcast, my mindset has shifted into it. Had that not occurred, somebody even just said to me, had, had that relationship never occurred, you wouldn't even have this podcast. And, mm. and and this podcast has become my passion and I love it. And it is, I, I never dreamt that this would become a reality for me. And yet here I am. But I would not have started this podcast if it wasn't for that. Uh, and yeah. then I, uh, I was talking to somebody just this morning about how I'm a little old, I'm almost <laughs> twice your age. Gotcha. But in, in life there are chapters Mm -hmm. life is a book right and Mm -hmm. and so that relationship you had the relationship that i had was a chapter in my life and that chapter ended and you turn the page and begin a new chapter and um it's just that the analogy of a book is that one page and it doesn't work that way in life because you just literally can't turn the page and start over Mm -hmm. uh I can choose to trust the next person. The, the the woman that I was in the relationship with, she wasn't gaslighting me and deceiving me and cheating on me the first six to eight months. It, that was the honeymoon period. And of course, that's the period we fall in love with. That's the period we 
we bond and the chemistry forms. It was once that has been established after that, then came everything. So I'm, I'm, let, let's shift gears now into talking about dating because this is what we're talking about going into the dating world. Well, you're engaged, but I, I am now in the dating scene and I, I'm talking to a few women here and there on the apps. Uh, I, I have to not think about the past and take for face value what this person will tell me. I go on a first date, we go to Starbucks and she starts telling me her story. I, I, I'm going to have to say I trust you that what you're telling me is true because when I look back at the last relationship, a lot of what she told me in the beginning turned out not to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, so, all right, let's talk about a little bit about dating. So, okay. uh, I, I, you're a dating coach and you have this uh, no-nonsense dating strategy or, or concept I come to you. I am 14 months post this relationship. I'm ready to get back out there. Pretend that I'm a client. What what advice do you give me? Because I'm you. You now know my whole story. Where mm-hmm. do I where do I start? Yeah, great question. The first place I would start is a place that a lot of other like very successful and esteemed. Uh, specifically men's dating coaches begin with their clients, which is you you have to, if you're going to have success in romance and in dating and potentially marriage, if that's your thing as well, you have to first be in a very solid place yourself. Um, no one's perfect. We make mistakes. Life, life never t- has the exact events that we hope it does, but um, you have to be in a place that you enjoy your life, you're stable financially, you're, you know, your health is in the best shape that it can be, all that good stuff. So that alone often puts especially younger men in a really good position. And um, obviously life brings different challenges uh, regardless of anyone's background or their financial or educational status or whatever. So uh, younger men are often struggling with uh, the, the collection of resources like financially, materially, whatever, so that they actually have something they can offer to a woman where it's like, Hey, if you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, she needs to be able to depend on you. Right. And that includes financially. So that's typically what younger men would have, uh, trouble with. And then with older men, it could be, um, yeah, kind of just, there's, there's definitely more life context that has to be taken into account. There's typically more experience and sometimes positive or negative events that have kind of put their lives on a trajectory that, they have to really take stock of. And so it's a little bit tougher, but um, older men definitely have the advantage of having more time and resources than younger men do who are typically still in school or just working their butts off, you know, Monday through Friday. Um, So yeah, the context is different uh, depending on the individual and the resources they have available. But that's the first place I would start. Second place, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about is what are your values, right? So everybody has values. It's just a matter of whether or not you know what they are explicitly. And so values are like innumerable, but they're also, they go beyond just like, oh, I want someone who looks great, or I want someone who is honest, or I want someone who's fun. Like those, those things are great. You should, you should be pursuing someone like that. But um, really like values are things like, uh, 
I'll just use myself as an example. I would say one of my values is I'm a creative. And so I value having specific time every single week to, to do what I love. And someone who is looking for a very traditional like life setup, which is not wrong, but if it's someone it's like, I want, I always want to be able to do family stuff every single weekend. And I want abundant amounts of it. Um, that might not be someone who's a great fit for me. Cause it's like, again, an example from my own life, my fiance is very creative as well. So we've agreed, like I'm in the bands, she does art. And so we're both going to support one another being able to do that. Right. So that's like really what I mean when I'm talking about values and that alone would provide so much to understand uh, about a person and kind of where they're going. And then I would say the third and fourth things I would address are where are you, where is someone going in life? Like what do your goals look like? Women especially need a guy to have a sense of purpose in his life. And a lot of men more than ever today are lacking that sense of purpose. And yep. Yeah. And it can be vocationally, it could be personally, it could be spiritually, like whatever, right? It's There's all different types of ways you can figure out what that purpose map looks like. But that would be kind of step three. And then step four would be um, really learning about what kind of dating, romance, or relationship experiences have you had in the past and how have they gone? And what are the common patterns that we can kind of pull out of that so we can see like, okay, um, you're getting a lot of matches, but you're not getting a lot of dates. Or maybe you're getting dates, but you're not getting a second date. Or, um, you know, just whatever it may be. There's, again, there's an innumerable number of options and struggles there. So, Great. Uh, great, great, great answer. And uh, while you were ta- speaking that, I, I, I was thinking about some of the values that I have. But the, a person in my generation... We at, at this time in my life, my values are already established, you know, and uh, it's kind of hard if two people in their 60s are going to try to merge their lives together. That's 60 years or 120 years combined mm-hmm. of two separate values, and you try to merge this person that I might be talking to was brought up completely different than I was. and it's not the same as if you're 25 years old because you're still establishing your, you don't even know what your values are at 25. So, right. Um, let's jump into, uh, actual dating and dating apps. I'd like to hear some of your thoughts about the dating industry today. I'm, I'm, I'm actively, participating on the dating apps i i subscribed to over 12 of them in the past six months i'm not on all of them now but there's a few of them mm-hmm. where do you see the uh, the problems that are happening on the dating apps is a dating app the way to go what do you suggest to your clients dating apps off dating apps or you you let, let them decide that you just coach them on See where I'm going? I, I mm-hmm. do I do I get off the dating apps and try to do it? Because I I heard something just the other day where I'm I'm actually listening to a book uh, by uh, Nancy Jo Sales, and she uh, she's an author and a writer, and she talked about back in the '70s and '80s when I was growing up, we had to meet people in in the real world. There was no <laughs> dating apps, you know, yep. and and 
it, it's just completely here it is 30 40 years later and like I told you, I, I got up this morning and I, I'm having my cup of coffee and the first thing I'm having a conversation with a woman on, on, a, on a texting. That didn't happen 40 years ago. It it's like blows my mind sometimes. Like I'm talking to this woman the next town over who's interested in me. So anyway, where what's your thoughts about the current dating technology that's going on today? Yeah, I love I love that. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's it's a pretty it's it can be a pretty wild topic and and uh, things have changed a lot since just a few decades ago. So I completely oh, yeah. agree. Um, even as a pretty young guy myself, it's it's still uh, a lot to swallow and there's just a lot of information out there and it's it's overwhelming for me too. So thankfully, that's you know that's I've successfully treaded those waters and you know hopefully never to again but um no but totally totally understand where you're coming um coming from so i yeah i would say like the first thing i think about is online dating is a great resource for people who know how to use it so Ah, very good yeah i think i think overall there's you can find great connections online you can find great connections offline Personally, as like I, I have another thing I should have added from the previous segment is what's someone's selection criteria. And that is something I would talk about with like clients and stuff. But um, essentially, if you're someone like me where you have a pretty specific set of selection criteria and what I mean by that is the things that would go into a decision to ask someone out or to pursue a relationship with someone everybody has selection criteria. It's just a matter of getting them to be very specific about it. Um, and, and really just having it probably on paper as well, but essentially like online dating, the, the apps these days, I, I feel like to some extent, it's probably not just these days. It's probably been forever, but there seems to be a larger percentage of people who are either lonely or um, they don't necessarily have a social circle outside of their romantic pursuits. And so they're trying to kind of find that person who can be their everything. And I say that with pretty heavy air quotes, because even if you have a a great, uh, great relationship, a great marriage, even your, your spouse cannot be your everything. They are, they are probably, they should be the most important person in your life but they are not like your social support. They're not your family. They're not your friends. And so the first thing to know for success in online dating is you have to, you have to be prepared that a lot of people are unprepared. I know that kind of sounds like a weird thing, but you're right. But you're right. Yep. So that's, that's the first thing. I think once you're beyond the majority of people who are unprepared and I I hate to say that, but it's, it's true. um, That probably leaves like 10 to 20% of people left because again, another aspect of online dating is about 4% of men get matches and women get probably even, even women who are like average levels of attractive, they're getting like a hundred plus messages and matches per day. So the, the, the proportion there is so severe that it's, it's really hard for even well-intentioned people, men or women to, to get the matches that they want. Cause women are getting bombarded left and right. And yeah. men are like trying to get anything essentially. Right. Even yeah. great, well-intentioned men. So, yeah. um, and so that's, that's kind of where the stuff that I share in the book comes to the fore and, and what I would 
offer for clients as well, which is as a man, regardless, again, regardless of any characteristic that you have of any kind, you have to be at the top of your game. And again, that doesn't mean being rich, super successful, super tall or anything like that. It means your op- your optimization tactics in your dating profile need to be 100% dialed in. So your pictures need to be great. Your profile, uh, like your bio needs to be phenomenal. It needs to have a true sense of personality. Um, you'd be amazed by how men and women just copy and paste other people's bios into I their own. That. I believe that. I've seen it multiple times myself because I've, I've gone through well over probably 100, maybe 200 matches before I met my fiance um, and, and then several dozen dates too. So it's just like, it's like, how do you, how do you sift through the sea of noise? Right. So those are some tactics, but I think the biggest thing too, is you really just have to, I know this kind of sounds cheesy and cliche, but it really is true. You have to give it time and be patient and you, you will know when a great person has come along. You might not know that they're like the last person that you'll match with and that you end up spending the rest of your life with potentially, but you will know when that person shows up because they will match your level of interest. They will show a lot of effort, just like, you know, most, most guys and well-intentioned men and women are always showing effort, right? That's kind of like the point I'm getting at, but hopefully that wasn't too long winded. It's, it's really just a matter of, yeah, understanding the, it's understanding the landscape. You have to know what you're in for so that you don't give up early or just not have any success. Um, but you also have to, you have to be patient and recognize like, yeah, if someone's serious about me, she's going to show that she cares. And, and that's what leads to, uh, a lasting opportunity. Well, you, you, I was going to ask you a question and I promised you no curveballs and but you answered the question before I got a chance to ask it. You met your fiance on a dating app, I'm I'm guessing, cuz you you had said that Yep, we uh we met through OkCupid. No kidding. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you know the stats? I, I'm I'm call again another curveball, I guess. But do you, mm-hmm. is there any stats about how many people meet online who actually get married Uh, yes i think it's one in five i think yeah if you're taking all the if we're taking all of the people who successfully match online i think it's maybe it's i think that's that number has grown actually it might be between 20 and 40 percent actually but it's actually fairly high so yeah i'll take it Um, Mm -hmm. because at, at my stage in my life I'd like the next person to be my last person. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how much time I have left on this earth, and I, I'm, I don't have the time, the luxury of time, like somebody 30, 40 years old who can go on five years of a dating spree. So, Right. <laughs> um, I just wanted to mention something. Uh, two things about the dating apps is you had mentioned that a lot of people are lonely, mm-hmm. and I think... We didn't mention this, but I think, and I don't hear it a lot, it, but COVID, there was a lot of divorces, I think, after COVID, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so po- we're post-COVID now, and I think that we're finding that, that people are jumping on the dating apps because they, 
they lost a marriage during COVID. Mm-hmm. And then I also heard the opposite, that there was a, there could be a baby boom going on because there was a lot of couples that were locked <laughs> down together and they had a lot of sex. So right. <laughs> you, you, got, you got both sides of that. Yeah. And then the only other thing I would say was would be is you got to be careful on the dating apps with the scammers. Mm-hmm. As you probably know that there are a lot of scammers on there. There yep. are the people from Ukraine or wherever. I, I, I'm not calling out a country, but overseas that are trying to scam you out of your money, your identity, and yada, yada. And they take advantage of the lonely, the vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the last thing I'll, I'll just want to say about everything you just said is choosing. So the name of my podcast is you know, anonymous Andrew, but it's life and the choices we make. Basically what that comes down to is if you're dating somebody, let's say I'm dating two people and I don't know, they're going on for a couple of weeks, but I want like to choose one of them because they're both equally good. It's choosing the right person. And the last relationship, everything seemed beautiful in the beginning. And I, I chose poorly is what I'm saying. And, mm-hmm. and you just got to be careful how you choose. So mm-hmm. Brad, is there anything else you'd like to talk about your, either your coaching, uh, your no nonsense dating strategy, any, anything about your book? Would you please come back when your book is published and we'll promote your book? Yeah, I'd be more than happy to. I appreciate that, Andrew. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. As far as like final closing thoughts, uh, I feel like, it's we live in an interesting world to say the least where there's more optionality and more opportunities than ever before and i think that's kind of created an interesting dichotomy if you will where a lot of people especially young young people these days say like social media just regular old instagram um you know twitter tiktok stuff like that instagram very much so though I i think that's really the one that leads the pack is kind of the new dating app because people are it's it's sad in a lot of ways but people are using your social media clout and your presence there as kind of like the real you which in some ways is true because I think social media does tell people a lot more about what someone is like than their dating profile might because a lot of people are just kind of Try you to see treat their real life. You see their life. There, when you use Instagram, you're or TikTok, whatever. You're putting your life out there more than you are in the dating app. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a really good window into just yeah what some again what someone's values are to kind of bring it full circle with that conversation. But but the funny thing about that is social media in and of itself still isn't someone's real life. It's just a it's just a positive fraction of it most of the time. So. I would just say, yeah, for anyone out there, any men specifically, since that's what the book is about, any men who are really struggling with that, just know that if you're putting in real effort and you're authentically presenting yourself, like it won't matter if some chick sees your social media profile or not, because if she genuinely is interested in you and values you, then that's where uh, success can begin. And I'll just top this off and then we'll say goodbye is that I just recently joined the Facebook dating section of Facebook, which I knew existed, but mm-hmm. I never took it seriously. I, you know, if you, when you mention the word Facebook dating, I, you people roll their eyes. Yeah. I have been on there almost two weeks now taking it seriously. And I've had more matches and more conversations in the past two weeks on 
Facebook dating, mm-hmm. then and it's free. Then all the apps that I paid for together, it's just it's just it's insane. I, the moment I spoke to this morning was from Facebook. So that's that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I think Facebook is is definitely better for uh, slightly older crowds. So that's really cool to hear. Good, good. Uh, yep. I think I think that's where I'm going to focus. So everybody, Brad Johnson, uh, two-time best-selling author. Hopefully, his next book will be as successful, if not more. And I'd like to invite you back when that is released and tell people where we can find you online. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andrew. Yeah, I've loved our conversation today. You can check out my Zero Nonsense Dating work at zerononsensedating.com. I'll also provide the link um, that you can share with your guests if you'd like for the first chapter of Your Dating Life Solved for free through Book Funnel. And Great. yeah, Zero Nonsense Dating across all social media. Great. And of course, I'll put all this in the show notes so they can just scroll down to the bottom of this episode and everything will be there. Awesome. Super appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, Brad. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you as well, Andrew. It was great. We'll talk soon. I would like to thank Brad Johnson. What a great interview. I just love when we just have a conversation and it flows and you learn a lot you know he's half my age and I picked up a lot on what he had to say we are always learning you never stop learning anyway his book is coming out January 22nd and it is called your dating life solved so look for that book coming next week And as always, if you like this show, I ask you to take two minutes, stop, and leave me a review. Five stars at the bottom would be nice on Apple Podcast. And Spotify also allows you to leave reviews. And if you have a friend or family member or somebody you know that might be struggling in a relationship of any type, and they think you think they may benefit from listening to the show please share this show and if you need to make a decision on getting into a relationship i urge i beg i plead take a few minutes take a day take a week and think is this person the right person for me until next time ciao